Welcome to the Wellness Alchemy Podcast. I'm your host, Janelle. I'm a naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist, and the owner of Seeds of Health. I created the Wellness Alchemy Podcast to bring together three of my favorite elements, health, truth, and adventure. Today on the podcast, I get to interview Ash Hope, my previous Ashtanga yoga teacher. Ash is a gorgeous human being, and we dive into the everyday life of yoga, both on and off the mat. We talk about Ash's introduction to yoga, how yoga helped her after her car accident, her experience, experience with yoga in India, how she feels yoga benefits her everyday life, the eight limbs of yoga, observing daily interactions with, environment and, with the environment and ourselves, the benefits of observing, the five niyamas, the different ways we can practice yoga, a different perception of meditation, if you can breathe, you can do yoga, the Ashtanga method, the relationship from student to teacher, Ash's recent chapter of change, breaking out from comfort and practicing in a relationship. So Ash is on a mission to guide people to their optimal health and well-being. She's enthusiastic and dedicated and brings out the best in people by integrating yoga, nutrition, mindfulness and meditation. She's been practicing the traditional Ashtanga method for over a decade and regularly studies with her teacher Nancy Gilgoff in, and in India. She's a yoga teacher, Zen practitioner and facilitator of corporate health and well-being programs. Her plant-based diet is a conscious decision out of the love for all animals. Let's welcome Ash Hope onto the podcast. <laughs> okay, so welcome Ash to the podcast. Yes, thank you, Janelle, for having me. It's a real pleasure. Yeah, so we're going to dive into the topic of yoga today, and I'd love to kick off with what your introduction to yoga was and what sparked a light inside of you. Yes, so my first introduction to yoga was actually um, in Germany, being very innocent and walking into a Bikram yoga studio, which just opened in my neighborhood and the German winter was very cold and I was just looking for something warm. <laughs> something warm. Um, yeah. At the time I always um, struggled from back pain. I had a car accident when I was 18 and I've never really um, recovered from that in terms of um, building, building enough strength in my core. So I was always looking for some sort of exercise that would help me to um, get some good core strength. Um, and then this Bikram yoga studio opened in my neighborhood and I was really curious, mostly about the heat. <laughs> so I, uh, I uh, yeah, went to the class and it was really weird. My first experience was really just weird um, seeing people in speedos. And it's um, if you've never done it, you probably don't have the um, picture, but it's, it's 40 degrees. It's a room of you know, people in 40 degrees heat and, and very little outfits and um, you do a set of 26 poshes and um, yeah, so for me, this was my first first yoga experience and I will still remember the first um, breathing exercise how we started the class was just something I will never, never forget. It just really, um, it was just very hard. I've never done any, any form of breathing exercises before and this was just a I just felt so many toxins coming out of my body and I just felt something quite powerful in this, in this very first class, in the very first experience. So after I um, 
left from the class. I, I still felt like it was a really weird experience, but at the same time, I also felt that it just something happened inside me. I felt really drawn towards going back to the to the practice to the class. So I kind of got hooked and um, really got into the the practice of Bikram Yoga. Um, as I said, this this was still in Germany, and um, meanwhile my life went on, and I traveled to different countries and also to Australia, where I had probably a period of a couple of years, but I didn't do any um, any yoga or any Bikram yoga. And then um, I moved to Australia in 2007, and that's when I discovered a, a new Bikram studio in my neighborhood again. And I remember the times that I had in Germany really enjoying this practice. So I went back to the studio and um, knowing a little bit more what to expect, I um, was very familiar still with the same postures and the breathing exercises seemed still very, very difficult for me. And uh, yeah, I instantly got hooked again and to the point where I just went every day um, to do the practice. I um, did a hundred day challenge, which means hundred mm-hmm. days of Bikram yoga <laughs> wow. every day, which not seems so much, but if you do it every day and especially in the heat, mm-hmm. uh, you for once you use um, a lot of towels because <laughs> you sweat quite a bit um but it's also the um, i guess the dehydration so to stay hydrated the whole time was quite a challenge as well apart from um actually going the 100 days it's just keeping up with your nutrition and your hydration that was quite challenging too but i've enjoyed the practice so much that you know 100 days um flew by really um on my second last day of the challenge i actually injured myself which was quite unfortunate and um because of the nature of the practice as i said it's a it's a very hot environment so it's quite um common that people overstretch and when i started become yoga i wasn't very flexible so for me being in this hot environment made my body feel more flexible than it was actually than it actually was so um, when I when I injured myself, I actually pulled um, a muscle which was quite uncomfortable for a long time. And I backed off with Bikram Yoga for a little bit and tried to find alternatives. And um, I've never really enjoyed the gym very much. But then I've tried to try different yoga classes like Power Yoga and Vinyasa Yoga, Hatha Yoga, and just had a quite a I guess, discovery of different yoga styles, which then led me to practice um, vinyasa yoga, which I really enjoyed. Um, Similar concept, but you still have a heated room, but not the extreme heat as in Bikram yoga. So I was able to um, heal the injury over a long period of time, just doing different different types of yoga. And then also through doing the different types, I developed a very strong interest just to dive deeper and to really understand the the practice and immerse myself into the practice, but it was always only about the physical practice. I didn't have any interest in the philosophy or anything that's um, part part of the yoga method. So I decided to do a teacher training <laughs> and not really with the intention to teach, but more to, um, to learn about the practice. So I um, went to India because I thought, well, you know, if you want to learn it properly, you go to the source. So I went to India for a month um, to do my teacher training there and um, went to a school which was led by Indian teachers. And it was really 
amazing experience and totally changed my whole um uh, yeah to totally changed my view of yoga and and the philosophy and um yeah i just gained a really deep appreciation of of what yoga actually is and means and the, this was just a glimpse of what it actually is um but it opened a door inside me where i could see that there's so much more mm. than just the physical side of it um and so I've immersed myself in, in the philosophy. And um, as I said before, the, the school was led by Indian teachers, which was also a big difference, I find, because there's a, I don't know, it seems there's a natural, um, they just have a natural feel of, I, I, don't, I always feel like Indians live and breathe yoga mm. <laughs> especially um, obviously people that practice um, tradition it's so different if you grow up with this tradition other than learning it from textbooks or learning it from a yoga class here in the western world so that was such a um, rich experience um, being being in India. I bet can I actually ask um, what you mean by um, the Indians living and breathing yoga because we're we, we can either do it now or we can dive into it a little bit later, yeah, but I, yeah, but sure. I do want to um, just clarify for the listeners who maybe aren't aware mm. of yoga off the mat. Like what, what yeah. does that actually mean? There's um, to preface it, there's, you know, eight limbs of yoga for, for mm -hmm. the listeners who, you know, maybe don't have that context and only one of them is the asanas or postures. So can you elaborate a little bit more about what you felt or experienced in India when you saw, as you said, Indians? Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, also to be clear that not every Indian practices yoga. So there's a million, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of people in India and a lot of people <laughs> don't practice yoga, but I'm talking about the, the Indians that teach um, and that practice yoga. But mm. um, from my experience, um, children are, taught yoga from early on so there are boys usually boys that are you know three four years old that already get um, exposed to yoga by chanting so usually it's the um, the chanting that is taught first in in yoga families and you know it's um the mothers they they cook by they cook and often they repeat mantras while they cook and preparing food. Um, the men have their they have their pujas and their you know spiritual practices where there's always always chanting um, in the household. So as as young children they grow up with just the um, you know the the chanting and the traditions and the the spiritual practice of offerings and and certain ceremonies that they have every every day and, and, and do every day. So, um, and then in addition to this, um, depends on the family, not every family practices yoga, but in addition to this, um, there's the yoga practice. So, um, again, boys and my yoga teacher, my first yoga teacher, he learned yoga when he was five years old from his father and well, from his uncle. And, and so it's, um, something that it's introduced very early on. So, you know and not every person develops an interest in in yoga and um now yoga also has changed in india but many years ago yoga was still seen as not something that you would really want to pursue it was more common for 
um, Indians to pursue an engineering degree or to go to university and study to be a doctor or that was much more um, a preference for Indian families but now where yoga has become so popular especially in the western world um, you, the profession as yoga teacher has a totally different uh, status in the culture than, than it had years ago but yeah Indians are um, usually immersed quite early in the yogic traditions especially the Hindu traditions where they have so many gods and so many celebrations and, and ceremonies constantly different ceremonies to, to honour the gods and um, so yeah, there's a certain certain yeah different way of, of upbringing than we know in the Western world. Mm, even the chanting itself, just having mm. um, that as a a regular day to day immersion in the household and that beautiful yeah. aspect of sound healing that comes from that. Yeah. Yeah, and young boys, if they want to pursue a Brahmanic um, path, they be they sent to a certain school. Where they, where they learn the chanting and where they, where they study the Vedas. And so it's, it's um, quite a disciplined practice, um, regardless if it's physical or non-physical. The chanting is quite a, a, physic, a, quite a disciplined practice as well. Where the, it's always um, the Vedic texts are um, transmitted by, just, they're not written down, so it's just transmitted by um, repeating all over again so you you listen and you you repeat and you listen and you repeat so it's, it's a long process of learning the different vedas just through listening and repeating and, and chanting the way mm. Mm, beautiful so with your car accident being the instigator for yoga i imagine um the practice helped connect you back to your body and as you said strengthen your core um mm. I'm curious because yoga is such a foundational aspect of your um, lifestyle and the way you live. I'm curious how you feel yoga benefits your day and your lifestyle aside from mm. the physical or, you know, even elaborate on the physical. Yeah. Um, well, the physical is certainly um, an interesting aspect and usually it's uh, the introduction to yoga as it was for me for most people it's a really easy in entry or yeah introduction to to the practice but um for me the the whole when i talk about yoga and the yoga practice i always see this as a holistic method of incorporating the all of the eight limbs um and one of them is the the meditation aspect or the sitting aspect um so for me, when I, just to give you an example, I usually start my day with a coffee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I have my meditation and then I do my physical practice and then I do a, a pranayama breathing practice. And this, these three elements really help me to find my grounding every day. So it's, it's helpful when I travel, it's helpful when I, um, you know, in, in periods of change, especially, um, you know, at the moment we, you know, we're house sitting, we're moving around a lot. So having a certain, um, having certain certain rituals um, mm. really helps me to to stay grounded in my routine and to help me with everything else that's going on throughout the day. So I just prepare myself with my practice for my day. So just like having a shower. In the morning, brushing your teeth—that's that's another ritual that 
makes you feel nice you know you feel clean from the outside you you clean your body if you're ready for the day you get dressed you you're ready to go to work or whatever you do and same in the same sense i see my practice it's the internal cleansing by mm. doing the yoga practice focusing my mind um and just really um setting the intention for the day um because i um i've got a vata constitution so I'm, I'm leaning towards starting many things and then getting a bit flustered or a bit chaotic about my day so if I have I don't have certain um, structures structures um, in place I sometimes get a bit flustered mm. <laughs> so it's nice for me if I have a certain routine or ritual integrated in my morning that helps me to go more organized throughout my life and my, my day Hmm, a space yeah. to drop into to check in with yourself, I guess. Yeah, and and as I said, it's uh, just like having a shower and the daily ritual of having a shower. You don't question it because mm. it makes you feel good. It's just part of your day. And if you don't have a shower on a day, you might feel like okay, it's a you know it's just a day without a shower. You might feel okay, but not quite the same as if you had a shower. Mm. And then if you go a few days without a shower, um, even the people around you would say, "Well, something's not quite right with you. Maybe you should have a shower." Again. <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> you know, it's it just yeah. I, for me, this is such a nice um, metaphor because it's it's for me, it's very much the same. It's the, the internal cleansing, cleansing, the focus, yeah, like the grounding. That. Mm. That, that really makes a big difference. And um, as much as I sometimes drag myself onto the mat and feel like, oh, <laughs> it would be nice just to go for a walk today. Mm. But whenever I do my practice afterwards, I've never hold any regrets. I never feel like, mm. oh my God, this was an hour wasted. Mm. Um, never. And yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just sometimes takes the commitment of going to bed early or, you know, the life choices you make. But in the end, it's still worth it it's um no regrets and it's it's so beneficial in so many different levels mm, mm, magic um would you be able to elaborate on what the other seven limbs are or at least the ones that you feel are most integral to to what you practice and what you live by hmm. yeah so when people talk about the eight limbs often it seems like a a very rigid approach and Mm -hmm. um which is like for me i see the eight limbs more as a guideline um mm. and something that happens quite naturally without forcing it so um as i said there's the um the yasana part which is the the physical postures and the the pranayama which is the the breathing breathing techniques which um uh, and as i said and um also with the eight limbs they're not like step-by-step -step guides that you start with one and then do the next one and do the next one. They kind of happen organically. Mm. Um, for some people, it's even uh, easier to start with meditation practice, depends on the personal preference. And then maybe later on dive into a physical asana practice. So there's no rule of, oh, you need to start with this limb and then you do the next limb. So it happens, depends on personal preferences and um yeah how things organically come to you and it also depends on how deep you want to take your practice there are practitioners that can practice asanas for 20 years and won't 
go any deeper than that. It's just a purely physical practice. Um, but it it's, depends on many things why why you go deeper and not. And obviously, um, personal interest um, helps as well. So there's the, the yamas and the niyamas. They're two two of the limbs, and they are um, ethical codes that are quite similar to the um, Ten Commands. So it's um, codes about non-stealing, truthfulness, non-harming, non-possessiveness, and um, something like celibacy or um, maintaining vitality. Mm -hmm. um, so these, these five limbs, these are the yamas, and they are more concerned about the environment. So how do you interact with your environment um, and in, in what way you, um, I guess. The moral conduct, what you live by and the things that um, I always see both ways, like how do you interact with your environment, but also interact with yourself. So, for example, the ahimsa with the non-harming, looking at non-harming other animals, um, non-harming other people, but also non-harming of yourself. So, um, just asking yourself, you know, self-talk, for example, it's a very harmful thing we, most people do. Um, and just by observing different notions and observing our um, you know, daily interactions with our environment and reflecting back on how we interact with ourselves. Um, it's just the process of integrating these um, yamas and niyamas and these ethical conducts. So it's not so much that there's a rule book and you have to tick off the different things. It's just the awareness that we gain through the practice of these different values and how we apply them to the environment and to ourselves. And that's one thing that yoga is just so well known for and so good at um, to really bring the awareness and magnify the awareness of ourselves to our awareness, to our consciousness. Mm. So niyamas um, are so sorry to interrupt, but yep. just to jump back to the last bit of what you were saying, could mm. another way of phrasing that be um, being more observant of how you're behaving or acting in the world? The, yeah. As in this, one of the strengths of yoga or one, one of the things that it's most known for that you were saying? Yeah, so observant, aware, um, and then by having this awareness of how, how am I acting, how am I you know, how am I interacting with other people? Um, mm. And then with that observing this, this, you ask yourself the question, is this the kind of person that I want to be? Mm. Um, or what kind of person do I want to be? And, you know, these kind of questions come up as you go deeper into your, in your yoga practice, especially with the, you know, meditation side of the practice, it's that, you get, that you just become quite clear on who you are not who you were um, raised as a child or how your peers see you or, you know, mm. your partner sees you. It's like, who are you as a person? 
And who do you want to be? Just because you see yourself as a certain person right now doesn't mean you're deemed to be that person for the rest of your life. Mm. And so I guess contemplating about your meaning in life um, is really the, the purpose of practicing yoga, you know, the end suffering, finding the purpose, um, why are you on earth and what contribution do you can, can you make to this, to your environment and to, to your world. Mm. Mm. Shall we Beautiful. move on to the niyamas? Yeah, please do. Okay, so the um, niyamas are really self-directed. Um, so there are five as well. It's tapas, which is the, the discipline um, of the practice. Not, and with these um, Sanskrit words, sometimes it's really difficult to find um, a translation that really fits the word. And there are many debates on the different meanings of the different words. Um, but it's really the more you read up about the, the different Sanskrit words and, and find commentaries about the words, the better you gain an understanding of what they really mean. Um, so it's really useful just to, to do some study on, on certain words that resonate with you and, and find the meaning and see how it resonates with you. Mm. Um, so I find that very helpful too. To, um, especially when you look at the yamas, niyamas, looking at the different words and what they really mean, and um, it, it makes um, yeah it makes a lot more sense when you yeah look into it a little bit deeper. Mm. So as I said, the tapas is more it's the, the discipline, but not as a harsh discipline. It's more about the the fire that you bring to the practice, your dedication, your your enthusiasm, enthusiasm. Um, to the practice. Mm. Um, that's what tapas means. Santosha, um, the second niyama, is translated as contentment. So being content with, um, with yourself, with your environment, what you have, not being greedy, um, this kind of sense. And there's saucha, which means purity. So looking at your cleanliness, um, looking at you know how you treat your home how you treat yourself the internal cleanliness um all these kind of things um and then there's what yeah yeah which is self-study um so this is this is a process of of chanting of um reading reading texts or reading philosophical um texts so that's yeah the practice of of knowing yourself um, mm, observing yourself. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then the last niyama is Ishvara Pranidhana, um, which is um, always a little bit tricky to translate because it's it's the um, devotion to a higher power, which sometimes for us seems a bit airy fairy. But it's really to understand that, I guess, letting go of the ego and understanding that there's something bigger than us in this world and the devotion to some to this something bigger, whatever that means to you. You know, some believe in mm. God, some believe in in whatever it is. So just the the understanding, okay, the universe doesn't you know, just I'm not the universe, I'm part of the universe, but mm. you know, there's this As you said, not gripping on so tightly. Mm. Yeah. 
Mm, magic. Yes, they're, they're, yeah. Oh, juicy. So I guess, well, I hope that that provides a bit of understanding for the listeners as to um, all the other beautiful aspects that yoga can teach us through that self-discovery. And um, yeah, I think in the Western world, at least, it's just so common to to see yoga as simply the the postures or the um, physical practice. So thank you for shedding some light on all those other limbs and and I guess um, how we can be practicing yoga in so many forms in our day-to-day life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I also like to add um, is the um, practice of, of meditation because often is um, meditation is seen as sitting on on a cushion and thinking of nothing, which is um, not really the case. And, um, and that's the, the progression and the practice of um, doing the pranayama, the breathing exercise, um, coming into a state of concentration, which is another limdharana, and then coming in, through this concentration coming into a state of meditation. So the point that I want to make is that meditation is a process. It's not something that we sit down and I'm I'm meditating. Meditation Mm -hmm. is a process that happens to you as you sit down, as you concentrate, as you, um, as you become aware of your, your breath and then let go of the breath. So it's, it's, um, even I, I sit down and meditate, often I say I'm, I'm going to meditate now, but what I'm really doing is I'm just sitting and hopefully I get to a point of meditation, which can be a second of my 40-minute 40 uh, 40 meditation. But it's, it's something that happens to you and that's um, what I'd like to emphasize because a lot of people sit down in meditation and expect that something really magical is going to happen or and then they kind of get a bit disappointed because it's actually really hard to sit and all these thoughts come up and nothing is really happening but that's exactly the process you know for all of us we all have so many different thoughts and there's so much activity in the in the mind so that's exactly the sitting that's exactly how we get into meditation but it's not just happening just because you sit down and make the intention or have the intention to meditate um it's it's takes it takes a lot of time to really get deep into the meditation but it's always worth it you know if you got a glimpse of what it what it's like then you know mm. it's always worth it but even if you don't have that glimpse it's it's just that the few minutes of sitting and being with yourself it's really the best practice um, anyone can do. Mm, and finding that stillness and creating the space, really, creating the opportunity for, mm. yeah. Yeah. And I always say to people, because often people come to me and say, oh, I can't do yoga and I can't do this because of this and this. There's always enough excuses why why you can't do things. But I always say, if you can breathe, you can do yoga. And whatever mm. form or shape of yoga it is, but you can have a practice as long as you can breathe. And that's really the essence of yoga, the breath. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And stripping it back so that it's not such a, um, a journey of achievement, right? 
it's a, mm. it's exactly that. It's a practice. I, I remember doing a workshop um, with you um, and Nancy um, last, two years ago, I think. Possibly, no, last year. Um, last year, yeah. Yeah. And um, I guess, you know, something to preface is uh, I do believe or have found over my 12-year journey with yoga that um, it, Ashtanga, at least, which is how we initially connected, um, is is often very goal orientated and very posture orientated. If um, you get swept up in that, um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? If you get swept up in that. Um, but what I really loved about the the workshop with Nancy was just the playfulness that you can bring to the mat. And um, mm. yes, you can still bring your discipline and, um, you know, partake in the practice, but, but the joy and the spaciousness that can be appreciated within um, mm. the practice of Ashtanga. And I guess my point is, you know, there's so many different ways to be doing Ashtanga yoga or yoga in general. Um, and as you've just been emphasizing, it's, um, it's about getting on the mat. It's about starting your day with a grounding ritual and watching what unfolds and how you discover more about yourself in the process. Mm, yeah, totally. And as you said, there's so many different teachers, um, in particular of Ashtanga, that have different views on how the practice should be done. And um, it just it's it's all good, you know. There's no judgment on right or wrong. Um, but that's how, like for myself, that's how I find teachers that I like to practice with because I have a, I also enjoy this this playfulness but at the same time the the I also believe that there's a, a method in the madness of, of following a certain um, system and the mm. the Ashtanga method how it's taught it's it's really about healing the body and um, this healing can only occur if it's done a certain way. And it's where I feel like it's important that we stick to, to the method in a, in a certain degree. Otherwise it's not the same. It's not the same practice and mm. it doesn't, you know, there's room for other things outside of Ashtanga to do. But if we want to practice Ashtanga because we want to have certain effects, then we need to stick in this, in, in the method with the method and totally um, agree. I think yeah, maybe, and, uh, maybe yeah. are you finish. Yeah, you go. Oh, I was just going to um, add that perhaps I was um, trying to emphasize more about the um, individuality that, mm. that can be found within that practice and the beauty of that practice and what it um, unfolds. But I guess that, um, the what I appreciated was the um, the the loosening of rigidity. Mm, yeah, and that's what the Ashtanga yoga practice is so unique um, in this approach that we do the individual teaching. We do have the teacher-student relationship by creating a Mysore space, by creating the space in in our classes where each person practices at their own pace to their own ability and the teacher is there to guide the student, mm. not to do anything else, but 
to support the practice, to support the practitioner in their in their progress and what they're trying to do. But it's it's not one teacher showing everyone the same thing and everyone has to do it the same way. It's a very individualized practice, which I really love. So you have people of, you know, 18 years old, other people are in their mid sixties and everyone does their own practice and everyone is really happy and doing their practice and because they can all work towards their own abilities. And, and that's the beautiful thing. That's what I really love about Ashtanga that it is so, um, so special individualized in this way. Mm. Yeah. And creating this relationship from the student to the teacher where you get to know each other, where you know, what is this person working on and how can I support this person better? And, you know, you build this relationship as a teacher, which is really beautiful because it's, it becomes so much more than just um, teaching some, some yoga postures some yoga asanas. It's, it's about, you know, looking after your students and your, your people and looking after their, their personal growth and helping them along. And that's a really beautiful way of um, sharing the practice. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. And you only get that when you put time into that relationship, right? That's right. That's right. And that's why um, I found as well, um, I have become quite picky with my own teachers that I see. And um, Nancy Gilgoff is my, my main teacher and I see her as often as I can. Um, and it's really important to, to um, stay with a certain teacher because otherwise too many influences just <laughs> uh, don't really necessarily help it's always good to get different opinions but it's um to have one teacher that you invest time in to building a relationship and, and that can see you and see you practice and you get to know them and it's, that's really important to build to invest that time to build the relationship mm. yeah um Okay, so the final question. Um, I really, really admire how you and your partner, Jeff, embrace each other's journey. You're so beautiful to watch. Um, and also the essence of yoga that shines through your partnership. So I was wondering if you would be open to sharing how your recent chapter of change has um, perhaps, I guess, what it's brought up for you um, and mm. to explain what that recent chapter of changes um you've moved from melbourne done a bit of traveling overseas and have now settled in brisbane and what i understand you're kicking off with some house sitting to begin with so that's <laughs> that's really that's a huge change so yeah could you could you share some light shed some light on that yeah for sure i might go back a little bit even more um so jeff and i we've been we had the last probably four years where we've traveled quite a bit and not necessarily just traveled but we moved quite a bit so we um lived on a sunshine coast where we met very comfortably in a beautiful place and decided um that life is too good and we need to to have a little bit of a change and we um slash challenge yeah. right <laughs> yes yes change and i guess to see um yeah just have different experiences and um we decided to to move to Cairns um to have a different experience and we didn't know what that experience is going to look like and um but yeah we wanted we wanted to break out from our comfortable life where we were because we just felt like well we could do this for the rest of our lives and we would be fairly comfortable doing that but it's not it didn't feel like progress to us in a way that we felt like we developed 
personality and character and and we felt like we have so much more potential that we like to test ourselves in in other waters and so we moved to Cairns which was a wonderful experience and when we moved to Cairns we didn't really have an agenda of how long it's going to be or if you might stay there or yeah there was no no agenda um so we stayed in Cairns for probably two and a half years and then decided to move to Melbourne and just to have the other extreme of a different experience, um, obviously, on the other side of the country, <laughs> being from the climate already a, a big, big change, but then also the, the people, the city and um, many other things that came with the work and, um, yeah, building building some new friendships and um, so that, that was also a different experience and um, in Melbourne we didn't stay so long um, mostly due to the weather <laughs> but also um, because we yeah we just felt we were ready to to move on to um, come back to Brisbane or to to Queensland and um, just summing this up I guess our, our journey from the last um, for years is we as a couple feel that we want to experience life and we want to um, to see what's out there we want to we want to grow as individuals but we also want to grow as a couple and um, it's we have certain we have certain ideas and, and goals long term where we want to be but at the same time we also want to not to settle someone to get comfortable um, for too long um, so we felt we feel that with the experience that we had um, it really helped us to develop a lot of a lot of skills you know adjusting a new place um, being challenged by you know just a day-to-day life uh, like you know you, you, in, in Melbourne we had was a lot of busyness just the city life and yeah you know we've got the climate you've got challenges we lost our both of our dogs that were very dear to us and so we I guess just challenging us in in different life conditions and testing how well we actually cope how well is our practice Mm. coping and and using our practice and I'm you know very fortunate that Jeff is um very good practitioner as well of yoga meditation and you know he's very dedicated to to his practice so we share the the practice together which is amazing um to have a life partner who also practices Mm. um and so i guess having having this practice together really brought us a lot a lot closer um and just really forms a bond where you Feel like you can do anything together because you you know you you know we operate so well with each other always have that we don't need many words to know what the other person wants and um you know there's this unconditional trust and unconditional love and and so having challenging life experience i guess and the practice um really yeah has set us up for many other things to come and we feel very um I guess excited to be in Brisbane now where we like to take you know we really want to put our roots down here and and um to see what what we can do here so we're mm. very open to new opportunities and um you know we're happy with the the lifestyle that we can create here and the opportunities and potential that this place has for us that we um feel like we've we've grown 
so much over the few years with the experiences that we are now ready to take on bigger things. Mm. Mm. And perhaps one of those challenges is putting down roots, hey? <laughs> because yes, you both yes, you both enjoy mm. the the challenge yeah. of change. Yeah. But yeah. you know, also going um going back to the to the you know, the ritual of having the practice and mm. traveling. I mean, it's always unsettling when you when you travel. Um, you know, we spend a month in Bali and then Singapore, and now we're doing the house sitting there. You, you know, every week you move somewhere else, so it's um, and you and somebody else's home, and you live out of a suitcase. So as mm. glamorous as it sometimes sounds, or mm-hmm. easy or flexible or whatever, it's still a bit of, um, I guess, you know, it's it's unsettling at times, and mm. um, but constant change. Also feel, yeah. That's right. Um, but I also feel that to really get out of your comfort zone is really the only way how we can grow, you know, and mm. to get, get comfortable with, with that environment and out of our comfort zone. It's sometimes, yeah, it's, it's difficult. You know, it's, um, I've asked this morning, um, Jeff and I, we've got this coffee ritual every, every morning we get up, we have our coffee together and it's our, our chat time where we just, you know, yeah, we just have really good chats when we when we have our coffee in the morning. And I've asked him this morning about the uh, <laughs> um, what's yeah what this time has um, really brought to us, and he said pain. <laughs> but but um, you know, as painful as it is, being being in this in this space, you know, there's, there's physical pain, there's mental, you know, there's mental pain. It's not easy, you know, it's not easy to, to be different. And there's always an easy option of, oh yeah, I just conform to the life my parents always wanted for me. And, you know, mm-hmm. you have to justify your choices to your family and friends and other people and to yourself, you judge yourself for not having what you think you should be having. And, you know, there's always judging and, all these self-talks that I spoke earlier about mm. and then you come back to the practice and think well ahimsa right it's the non-harming how much how much self-talk do I really need do I really mm. need to talk myself out of of the things that are actually good for me that actually form a character that build some strength and you know it's it's um it always comes back to the practice you know the grounding rituals the having the practice to challenge yourself physically on the mat um like for me that's that's something that i've I've never had in any other capacity and and having this this practice um yeah has totally changed my life and it gives me so much stability and and grounding and in times like this it's it's so essential Mm. Mm. I'm going to finish on that beautiful note. Thank you so much for sharing and shedding some light on the practice of yoga and how holistic it is and how much it's benefited you in all of your change, but also just generally day to day. And, you know, hopefully this episode um, inspires individuals. It's definitely reignited my love of yoga. Um, it always does when I talk about um, mm. yoga with with someone like yourself that's just so um, passionate about the practice. And yeah, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and um, thank you so much for sharing your personal journey and how yoga's benefited you. 
Yeah, thank you so much, Jeanette, for having me. It's been really great. And, you know, I can talk yoga all day long, so it's good that we um, <laughs> had a, had a good <laughs> Right. Thanks, Ash. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Wellness Alchemy podcast. Please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast to help spread inspiration and conversation beyond the Seeds of Health corner of the globe. Until next time, bye for now.